0: from Studio P in Sausalito the home of the hit It's Time For. Suck-a-tash. Yes, Sagatash Chats, the original comedy soundcast featuring interviews from comedy soundcast soundcasters, comedians, comedian soundcasters and other showbiz folks. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy soundcast soundcaster Mark Hersha.
1: Oh yes, it's me, Mark Hershon, your host and public defender for Epi 141 of Suckatash, the comedy soundcast, Soundcast. Our grassroots movement to change the term podcast to Soundcast is being embraced by some while being dissed by others. Abner Sird of the Tall Tales and Shaggy Dog Show has changed all of the references on his home site to Soundcast. And the Thunder Taco Show is also officially a soundcast. I even see that there's a Salvation Army soundcast. I don't even think they were part of the movement, but they are now. On the other hand, I heard via Twitter from the Wheelbarrow Full of Dicks show, and also Chris Lanuti from the Broadcast Basement show, that they don't support the change. Chris says he thinks the name sounds silly. Which I just don't get, really. I mean, podcast sounds less silly than soundcast? Oh well. As a long-time branding expert, I know that great names are often in the ears of the beholders. Plus, there's been over a decade of programming, of hearing and seeing the term podcast used over and over and over. That's okay, of course. I think it's fair to say I'm a little disappointed that a couple of shows we've often mentioned and supported can't throw in with us on the soundcast crusade. But that's their prerogative. We still love you guys. Not to mention we can still refer to your shows as a soundcast when you show up here on Succotash. But that's not why you're here right now, is it, gentle listener? You're here this time around to enjoy an installment of Suckatash Chats with our special guests Jamie Morton, James Cooper, and Alice Levine, the cast behind the immensely popular soundcast called My Dad Wrote a Porno.
2: I suppose we do it with Jamie because the way it all came about was that Jamie bought the first um brought the first few chapters two two full chapters and the third was in bullet point form it's kind of still in bullet point form in the final book um (laughs) he brought that to us when we were having a pub dinner and um we just did exactly what we did on the podcast really we we were all just riffing on what an amazing book it is and that, that sort of how the podcast is now there's very little formatting like we don't there's, yeah. there's we just roll and roll and people throw throw jokes out there or go down a kind of dead end a lot of the time Or, you know,
3: just, yeah. yeah it's very much just a kind of a continuation of our friendship it, it 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 would have felt weird with me kind of reading it with these guys thinking god that's a really funny idea and then not including either of them in it that would have been <laughs> Kind of beastly,
1: so. So there's a little sample of my upcoming Skype chat with the titillating trio that's got the internet all a Twitter and a Facebook, too. But before we get to that chat, we've got the first of our two Bursts of Durst this episode. And immediately following the interview with my dad, wrote a porno soundcast crew, I'll toss on a couple of my short interviews with some folks from the recent Los Angeles Podcast Festival, along with a second Burst of Durst. Sound like a plan? Before I go any further, let me remind you to please rate and review Suckatash on iTunes if you'd be so very kind. You can also help us to defray the cost of producing and hosting this mother by clicking on the donate button over at our home site, SuckatashShow.com, or by doing your online shopping by clicking on the Amazon banner at the top of that very same homepage, or even perch some merch in our Suckatashery Not surprisingly reachable through the same SuckatashShow.com home site. Also, this episode of Succotash Chats is brought to you by Henderson's Hallow Pants, just in time for Halloween. Now the election cycle is in high spin, and so is our resident political comedian and social commentator, Will Durst.
4: Hey guys, Will Durst here with a warning. Because when the days to an election dwindle down to a precious few, something happens to candidates, especially when prospects for victory appear slimmer than an emaciated giraffe in a funhouse mirror. And we should prepare not just for October surprises, but October lightning bolts tossed by Odin himself, October 80-megaton hydrogen bombshells, and October exposés that will make your mouth hang open long enough to attract bottle flies. So here's a sample of what may come down in these final weeks of this, the most important election of your lifetime. Yes, again. October 2nd, Breitbart News discovers that when the first words of Hillary Clinton's deleted emails from 2009 are arranged chronologically, a love letter to Lucifer is revealed in which she calls him smoochy. October 10th. Photographs showing Donald Trump poking a group of special needs preschoolers with a stick are laughed off by the candidate as political correctness run amok. His poll numbers rise. October 14th. En route to a campaign stop in South Carolina, Hillary Clinton rushes into a burning building to rescue a litter of newborn kittens. Her poll numbers do not budge. October 22nd, Donald Trump explains that pushing an old lady in a wheelchair down a flight of stairs was a therapeutic attempt to jar loose her cramped muscles. His poll numbers rise. October 28th, murky footage from a surveillance camera showing Donald Trump shooting a stranger in the middle of 5th Avenue in New York City racks up 3 million hits on YouTube in 4 hours. His poll numbers rise. November 1st, a report surfaces that Donald Trump has a calendar in which October has 32 days. The candidate agrees that many people have told him this. Important people. Top people. Despite evidence to the contrary, supporters feel in their heart it must be true and make plans to vote a day late. November 8th. Trump loses. For Suckatash, the comedy soundcast soundcast, I'm Will Durst. Get it? It's a hoist on your own petard thing.
1: Grab more of Mr. Durst's brand of wit at his home site willdurst.com where you can also lay eyes on his schedule and figure out where to catch him live in and around the Bay Area and beyond. I don't think I've had an interview on this show that I have not enjoyed doing, but I must say that chatting with the cast of My Dad Wrote a Porno was a lot of fun. Jamie Morton, whose dad is the one who actually did write the pornographic novel in question and actually has written several along with sharpshooters James Cooper and Alice Levine were kind enough to set aside part of a Sunday evening in London recently to accommodate me and the time change between there and San Francisco For those of you who perhaps have not heard My Dad Wrote a Porno here's a little sample to give you a taste of what all the hoopla
3: is about From the guest list info... Belinda recognised Jim Sterling, a Yankee from the USA. Does
5: anyone say Yankee?
3: <laughs> I don't know. Do I've they heard
2: Yank, but I'm not sure I've heard of Yankee.
3: Yankee, yeah. Oh, here comes a Yankee. I don't
2: I've, think that's I've, okay. I've
3: heard a Yankee. I don't know if it's Yeah, because it's your correct. dad.
2: He probably says it all the time at home. <laughs> actually, I have a little question about Rocky. Yeah. Is he a well-travelled man?
3: Yeah, he is actually very well-travelled. Yeah.
2: Has he spent time in Yank?
3: In, England. in Yankville. In <laughs> Yankville. Um, yes, I believe he has. Never lived there or anything, but he has visited on vacation, etc.
2: I just always wonder what influences he brings into his work, so I'm just intrigued. Yeah. Okay.
3: His operation had 1,257 outlets and was also growing fast in Mexico and Brazil.
2: Good for Jim. He's he's doing better than Alphonse, isn't he? I was going to say, that Alph- is
3: better than Alphonse. It oh, about
2: 300 outlets, wasn't it, Alphonse? Yeah.
3: Jim's got three times the amount
2: Great maths, James.
3: Thank you. All right, Carol Vorderman, chill out. He was a big guy but short, and upon seeing Belinda's plight, quickly threw his somewhat stained thong to the ground.
2: Oh, oh my days! <laughs> Why is it stained? I don't think they're being doled out of the door anymore. I think he's stained that himself. You don't
5: think um, he's using Alphonsus, Is it like they're is just like one? they're just like passing it on in like a, re, a sex relay? Oh
3: God, gross!
2: <laughs> Awful. Also, can I just say? The most desirable figure is generally large but short. Yeah. So he's just like a stocky little... Chode.
3: Like... Oh, my God. He's a chode of a man. He's a chode of a man stomping around the place.
2: That's why he's stomping. Disgusting. Very man. low centre of gravity.
3: In a dirty thong. Oh, God. What's it stained with, do we think? Do we want to go there? Let's allow the listeners to speculate.
2: As little <laughs> as I know about pornography, what I do know is... You keep is... saying
3: that, Alice. we are never going to believe it. <laughs>
2: But what I do know is that stains are generally really, really sexy. <laughs>
3: it's a fetish all of its own. Oh, my goodness. Belinda blinked.
2: <laughs> Drink. <Fortunate. laughs>
3: For the first time that day, she was caught unawares. Mm, By what? No, I For begged, stains? I
2: beg to differ. Not the first time that day. So far today, she's uh, been attached to a trellis with some red plastic handcuffs She's had some bloke from Belgium come wriggle out of his thong and say, why don't you pop over to The Hague?
3: Then penetrate her vulva. Oh, yeah, I forgot that bit. (laughs) Guys, hold on to your hairpieces.
2: No one ever says.
3: (laughs) Yeah, is that a line from the book? (laughs) (laughs) For the first time that day, she was caught unawares. There was nothing there. What? Hang on, whoa, whoa, whoa. Before you reveal what that means.
2: Smooth like an action man.
3: No, like a nub. Nothing. But then she saw it.
2: <laughs> if you don't see it straight away, there's a concern.
5: Maybe the hair overwhelmed it.
2: Or maybe it's, you know, sometimes don't they pop back inside? What, well, like
3: an innie willy? <laughs> don't know. We're we talking about his willy. Underneath, covered in pubic hairs, <gasps> lay, a, lay? lay a very small <laughs> and in Belinda terms, somewhat pathetic penis.
2: <laughs> lay, why is it lying? Like it's, it's in a nest, like a slug. Like a little vole.
3: So he's not aroused. He's not got yet. He's got
5: pubic hair longer than his penis. Oh my God,
3: he is not only looking like a chode as a human, but he's actually got, got a, chode. a chode.
2: Well, no, it sounds too small to be a chode. <laughs> it's just a chipolata.
3: She literally couldn't see it. She had to blink to see it.
2: Oh my god, she cleared her eyes to just double check where it was. I did think for a minute, you know, sometimes people have that thing where there's there's see you see it on like embarrassing bodies. There's like a roll of something that's that obstructs oh. where it should be. Like a roll of sort of flesh. Like what? Flair. A oh
3: what god, what
2: yeah. are you talking about? You guys don't Sorry, watch Sorry,
5: where'd you watch this?
2: You don't watch enough channel five at night. <laughs> I don't like what you said, James. About it's ha- the hair is longer than it is. What like a mane of straight hair? Oh. It's like
3: it's in a little nest. Do you right? The sooner like we get the little... past this point, yeah. I'm let's move it. on. I am feeling a bit sick.
1: So that's what the show often sounds like, with Jamie reading passages from Belinda Blinked, the book his dad, who goes by the name Rocky Flintstone, write, uh, wrote as Jamie and Alice take turns with their running critique. The clip was from the fifth episode of the first season. Their show is now well into the second season, and appropriately enough, Rocky's sequel to Belinda Blinked. As you will hear in our interview, Jamie was running just a little bit late, but James, Alice, and I decided to start without him. Hi, Mark. Hey, good morning. Or good Hi. evening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good evening. It's, uh, what time is it? Half five. <laughs>
5: How are you doing? Hey, actually, Jamie is stuck on a bus somewhere. Oh, okay. He's literally like a couple of minutes away. I might just try to give him a bell,
1: actually. Oh, okay.
5: There's a yeah. couple of buses appearing outside. I'm just seeing if he's on them.
1: Oh. Okay. This is very
5: I
2: don't live at the station, just <laughs> to confirm.
1: This is very exciting, actually. <laughs> 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 feel I like, feel like we're really in the minute. It's fantastic.
5: <laughs> well, it's normally because Alice has to work until like, what, four, half four?
2: Yeah.
5: Uh, it's Alice who might have been a bit later, but. Oh, okay. He's here. But I just
2: want to confirm I'm here in the flesh. So hi,
5: I'm just checking how far away you are.
1: Okay, cool. All right, see you in a minute. Bye.
2: He's only a, mi- a few minutes away, but we can maybe get started and he can jump in.
1: Sure, let's. Uh, we'll start the the interview as our our friend's dad wrote a porno.
2: Oh, you want to, <laughs> wait, wait? he's only minutes away.
1: No, it's okay. We, we we can start and he can jump in. It's very informal. Okay. <laughs>
2: I'm I'm gonna to have to run up and answer the door, but this this can all be part of the fun of it. Exactly. First
1: theater. Exactly. It's a very informal interview. My my listeners are very informal. In fact, most of them probably don't have pants on right now. So. <laughs>
2: Excellent. News. Same as
1: I. <laughs> <laughs> so we can get the uh, sort of the behind the scenes dirt on Jamie from the two of you, since he's not in the room. So, what do you really think about him?
2: Oh, man, that guy. I mean, if only his dad hadn't written a porno, then we wouldn't need to see him so often.
5: That's <laughs> yeah, the only reason we hang out with him these days.
2: Joking.
5: <laughs> no, Jamie's great. Jamie, he's, he's doing very well, all things considered. I don't think any of us quite realised how how big the podcast would become um, and, you know, how many people have now listened to his, his dad's porn. He's taking it, like, very... All on the chin, uh, surprisingly <laughs> well.
1: It is It's kind of amazing, you know. I've been uh, uh, running my own podcast for like five and a half years, and I my my podcast is either interviews uh, every other episode, or I play clips of other people's comedy podcasts. You know, kind of like a Whitman Whitman sampler of podcasts. Um, uh-huh. And it's just interesting to see the the podcasts that catch the interest of of the public and whatnot, and you know, catch on really quickly. It's like when uh, Welcome to Night Vale came out, you know, yeah. within within months, it was huge, just a sensation. And uh, very much the same with uh, with my dad wrote a porno. Amazing how quickly something that I think is just so different uh, in any media stream, there's been sort of nothing like it. And so I think that's really part of what activates people's ap- appetites for something like this.
2: There thankfully is nothing like it. Uh,
1: <laughs> well, yeah. I I am waiting for my dad wrote a porno too to come out as uh, you know somebody else's somebody else's podcast. You
2: know? <laughs> I'm just waiting for like my sister wrote a porno, my mum wrote a porno, um, and hopefully we can we can find those people and exploit them similarly. But um, yeah, <laughs> I think when we first started talking about it. We knew that the books that Rocky had written were gold. We didn't necessarily know that a podcast was going to be the way that we would do something with it. But we knew that it was just such great material. And we all are kind of ardent listeners of podcasts anyway. So it just felt like one of those things that you could do around your kitchen table. Literally, that's what we do. We do it around one of our apartments. So we kind of just thought, actually, this is the perfect way to get it to people.
5: Yeah, We thought a lot about the title as well because I think part of our success has been, you know, it's a title that people want to hear more about and it kind of does what it says on the tin. So um, we went went through a lot of different titles, but then in the end we came up with this one because we were like, you know, people know what they're getting straight off the bat, (laughs) stands out. It's one of those clickbaity titles. People are going to give it a try, even if they don't listen beyond the first episode. They're going to give it a try. So I think we were aware we were onto a winner with the title, at least.
1: Yeah, I would, I would agree. Um, and uh, I'm just curious if you even remember what any of the uh, the titles were that you were kicking around. Oh
5: God, my memory is terrible, Mark. At the best of times, and Alice has actually just gone and let. Oh. get jamie in so uh well, just me.
1: we won't worry about it
5: here's jamie Hi, I'm so sorry I'm late.
3: okay well
1: hey that's all right we're we're done uh but thanks for coming in <laughs> <Fantastic, brilliant.
5: laughs>
1: uh no welcome we were just uh kind of uh sort of picking up little pieces of uh podcast erato while we were waiting for, for you to oh, show okay. up so we're just about you but, but welcome oh, and and we're just proceeding in a very informal manner so we'll just keep talking rather than uh I'm gonna, I'll, I'll introduce the three of you now since all three of you are in the room so that'll be easier so uh, uh people will know your voices we've we've been speaking with james cooper and alice levine and now uh jamie morton joins us <laughs>
3: hello how's it going
1: well, well welcome to the conversation, um, and. Uh, we're uh, we're just sort of talking about the the title itself of My Dad Wrote a Porno, and James was talking about uh, a number of you know you guys kicked around a lot of other ideas uh, before settling on uh, on My Dad Wrote a Porno, which is very descriptive from a branding standpoint. <laughs> yeah. um, and I was asking him, does he uh, recall any of the other uh, title ideas? And he nothing was coming to mind. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm
2: trying to remember. I mean.
5: I think we were put, trying to put erotica in there, but we didn't think it was quite as punchy as porno. Because yeah. actually, we
2: don't call it a porno here. Like, we don't use porno the way Americans use porno. So that kind of felt um, like maybe it didn't fit. But then my dad's written an erotic slash pornographic novel. Not-,
3: <laughs> <laughs> not the most succinct title in the world. Yeah, because... If- porno would lead people to think that he'd written a script of some sort of awful 1970s porn film, which he actually hasn't done yet. (laughs) Uh, I'm sure he will at some point. In fact, he's just, I've I've actually just just discovered that he, um, he's recently bought Aaron Sorkin's Masterclass video. (laughs) So I think he is planning on making kind of a little segue into movie script writing. So watch out for that. such a neat segue. Isn't it? Well, what would be great is uh, if he if he
1: started just writing his porno in Aaron Sorkin's style, because then everybody would be have a joke. They'd all have a joke line. It'd all be really glib and funny. <laughs> yeah,
3: he, he, he isn't the best at dialogue, so I think he's going to struggle with that one, to be honest. Uh,
1: well, I think he's got himself the way in with Mr. Sorkin's work. That's fantastic. <laughs>
3: <I'm> <laughs> that
1: so we 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 talked a little bit about. Um, how you guys originally sort of came up with the idea and uh it again it's a to to me and, and the fact i've reviewed you know hundreds of podcasts at this point it's it's a truly original idea in a sea of you know when you consider there's over three hundred thousand podcasts now uh you know what's a title that's going to pop out certainly that is one and that was no pun intended by the way
6: <laughs> um
1: <laughs> but uh Jamie, I, one question I had for you uh, kind of off the bat because um, um, your your dad writes these Belinda books under the name Rocky Flintstone, and I'm surprised you didn't want to grab onto the coattails of success. Why did you choose the name Morton? I
3: don't understand. <laughs> Do you know what? That's a very good question. I should kind of change my name to default. So forevermore.
2: You should cash in.
3: I should. I mean, <laughs> it's an icon of our times. Um I, th- I like to think of myself as the Emilio Estevez, too. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to stick with the original name that I was born with. All he right, can that's, play That's brilliant.
1: That, if he brilliant answer. Brilliant answer. Um, so how is it that the the three of you sort of fell into this? I mean, I, I've, I've been listening since the beginning, and, and you guys had sort of come up with this idea, I guess almost just sort of as a, as a goof, you were going through the book and then you guys decided to turn it into this thing. But is there any reason the three of you all gravitated towards it rather than some other group of friends?
2: Don't say that. We could be replaced at any moment.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Jenny is the only necessary part of this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I am waiting for the American spinoff, which will be interesting, which yeah. will be called My Father Wrote an Erotic Piece of Literature.
2: which does have a nice ring to it to be fair we'll we'll do anything to sell the right song we don't what what you know when people do that when they sell it to another country and they kind of don't care after that point well you know they can do with what they want with it in america
1: that's great now how how about the the format that you guys do this with because it's it's really sort of a an interesting format in that jamie reads reads the passages and then the two of you begin sort of I guess sniping at it would be a polite way to talk. <laughs> it That's
5: like, a polite way of saying
2: it. yeah.
1: Gently critiquing.
2: I guess to answer your <laughs> other question as well, I suppose we do it with Jamie because the way it all came about was that Jamie bought the first, um, brought the first few chapters, two two full chapters, and the third was in bullet point form. It's kind of still in bullet point form in the final book. Um, <laughs> so he brought that to us when we were having a pub dinner and. um, we just did exactly what we did on the podcast, really. We, we were all just riffing on what an amazing book it is. And that's sort of how the podcast is now. There's very little formatting. Like, we don't... There's, yeah. We just roll and roll, and people throw throw jokes out there or go down a kind of dead end a lot of the time. Or, <laughs> you know, just... Yeah. yeah,
3: it's very much just a kind of a continuation of our friendship. It It, it, it would have felt weird with me kind of... <laughs> Reading it with these guys, thinking, God, that's a really funny idea, and then not including either of them in it. That would have been <laughs> kind of beastly. So, um, And also, we have done other stuff together in the past as well, so we've always kind of worked on little projects together. So this was just the next one, I suppose, in the long line of failures that we've... Uh,
1: <laughs> Is there a lot of editing that takes place in the episodes? I mean, do you find yourself like going down some dark alley of comedy that doesn't go anywhere, and then you have to go kind of back up and go, "Let's
3: let's take that again? Yeah, James
2: does that all the
3: time. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) There is a lot of editing in it, Um, just because we talk forever. Because we're three large personalities, so getting us to be kind of succinct is difficult. So there is a lot of editing, but
2: I think also because we wanted it to feel as like you want to feel as similar to a pub chat as possible and if people are worrying about running long or is this joke going to land or is this comment going to go somewhere then you're not going to be the funniest you can be and i think if you're thinking oh well don't worry like in the edit if it doesn't work we'll lose it or if that's brilliant then we'll make sure that that shines i think that makes everybody more comfortable just to kind of riff
3: definitely we always support each other in whatever kind of avenue they're going even if it is kind of going to crazy places that are just the most unfunny things you've ever heard <laughs> in your entire life. Well,
2: I know. Just...
1: <laughs> well, if you, guys, if you guys have heard a lot of, uh, or any of the, the podcasts that uh, that are just sort of a bunch of people riffing, then you know a lot of people don't have the discipline that, that, that you are exercising in your show. Uh, there's, there's a lot of conversational banter that just doesn't seem to go anywhere Uh, and clearly you know you guys know about editing so I'm curious about your backgrounds in terms of either performance or production that sort of thing so maybe kind of one at a time what sort of what is what are your backgrounds Uh, let's start with you Jamie
3: well I am a professional editor so that would help (laughs) tremendously (laughs) (laughs) I'm an editor and 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 a director and a writer so in fact we all are kind of in the creative industries so that kind of helps us um, have a good kind of perspective on the, on on the work, and we didn't want it to just be something that we just threw together. We really wanted to have a like a strong concept that we thought we were building on, and that we like we really look at it as a as like a complete little piece of shall I say art? No, Do say say it? art. It's <laughs> a piece of art, guys. I'm going to say it, um, or at least something that isn't just thrown together. There is a lot of thought and time that's gone into each episode, so. I think our background in the media helps with that. Because, James, you're a TV producer. I'm a producer. Oh, okay. Uh, Okay. And Alice?
2: Well, I work in radio, so I suppose this is closest to what I do in terms of it being like an audio product. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, I have a radio show for the BBC. um, And that's been an interesting part of it, actually, because I've worked with lots of producers. And you know, they would say I'd learned nothing. And actually, (laughs) I feel like there are definitely some things that I've picked up and we've all combined all of our, you know, respective skills and we come at stuff from really different places. So that's been really useful. Um, And I think the fact that we're, the fact that we're not doing this as performers and we're doing it as friends, I think is what keeps it fresh because you don't feel like Somebody's trying to get a one line in. Somebody else is trying to get their joke away. We're just having a chat.
3: Yeah, there's no kind of competition between the three of us, which I think comes across.
1: Well, yeah, what's what's interesting is um, and and this is probably more towards your professional lives than your friendship is. And maybe you just edit the stuff out that, that goes against what I'm about to say, but you don't, you don't end up talking over each other all that much. There's It seems like it's truly like a give and take, and you kind of wait for the other person to get the joke out. Um, I, I've been in a lot of improv groups and things like that where people are always trying to fight to get their voice in and that sort of thing.
3: And that doesn't seem to
1: be happening on your show.
3: No, yeah, we, we always conscious. try and – Yeah, we always give each other the space to kind of – have their moment. And then, and we also are really supportive with each other. So that we'll help the person get to where they are going as well. Cause we don't, n- none of us believe in kind of ownership of, of a joke or, a, or a singular idea in a project. That's the three of ours project. Like it's our show, the three of our shows. We're not going to.
2: James is the funniest, but we don't ever James really talk about fun- that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, how, how, how long, did, how long did it
1: take to explain to Rocky the concept of what you wanted to do when you guys
3: first came, came up with it? Um, well, he'd never heard of a podcast. Of course. So that, was, <laughs> uh, that, that was a that, day. Yeah, that was a challenge in and of itself. <laughs> the easiest thing was actually I just played him our first episode because ah. I kind of preempted the fact that he wouldn't know what it was. And it's always hard to explain something without having something to show someone. So but we, he does
2: get banter because he loves banter. Oh, yeah. And he oh. loves sparring and he loves jokes. So like... I think as soon as he heard it, he yeah, got it. right? he
3: absolutely loved it. I mean, everyone did. My whole family, even my mum, was like, "Oh." It's not <laughs> um, so yeah, so I, I I actually played the the kind of the, the pilot, or which turned into the first episode, to my whole family together um, to kind of get everyone's blessing because it is a kind of a personal thing. I didn't want to do it without getting everyone's kind of consent. So, um, but yeah, he loved it from, the, from really the word go, and he's been our biggest champion and, and, and fan. From the beginning. Well, you're publicizing his work, of course. I mean, to an extent,
1: we are. We're also <laughs> ripping it. To, but... As long as, as long as they spell the, na- as long as they spell the name right, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I get a, a, a great image in my head, sort of, of, an old Saturday Evening Post cover of your family grouped around the old style radio, listening to the first episode of My Dad Wrote a Porno.
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: by the open fire. Exactly. exactly.
3: Was around an open fire. <laughs> uh, it, it, it it was on a Bose speaker. Don't <laughs> oh, well, we're not okay. quite All World right. War II, but uh, yeah, it was a very idyllic image.
1: I <laughs> love that. Um, I, I had a specific question for you from, uh, Catherine Doyle, who's one of my, uh, co-writers of the, uh, the week in comedy podcast column for split cider, uh, oh. cause, uh, spoiler alert, uh, only for you guys but because uh, this episode of my show won't be going out till after next week but uh she's reviewing your um your footnote episode with thomas middleditch this next uh, coming oh. week so I hope she likes
2: it.
1: so don't let anyone know that until thursday but uh okay. that's coming she, out. Was, I, she was, yeah she was she was very uh uh, disappointed to find out uh, she wasn't going to get to interview you. And I was, but, <laughs> and I said, is there any question you want? And, and I'll get you the answer before you write your review if it's any help. So she wanted to know, do, do you or Rocky ever feel pressure to keep up enough book content coming so that the podcast can continue? I fear a George RR R. Martin scenario where the podcast overtakes the books and Rocky is too busy basking in his new fame to keep writing erotic novels.
3: That'll never happen. <laughs> I can do that now because actually he'd written three books before we even did the first oh, okay. podcast. So there's there's there is a third book out there already that hasn't I've, I haven't even read it yet actually, um, and 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 he is still writing. So I feel that he's going to keep writing until his last breath, really. And wow. <laughs>
2: He writes so quickly as well.
3: Yeah, oh, he's he's incredibly skillful. <laughs> oh, he can mm-hmm. do a book in a day.
1: <laughs> it's amazing. It seems like it. It seems like it. Which <laughs> yeah. is interesting. There's, when you're not rewriting or, or listening to anybody's edits, it, uh, <laughs> that can happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so winter is coming, is what you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> or, I guess Belinda is coming. I, 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 I definitely coming. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's talk about the the footnote idea, which is, I mean, it's kind of a brilliant way to extend the podcast and you've been getting these amazing testimonials from well-known people about the podcast, which was, first of all, how did you find out about the fact that there was interest at this sort of A-list actor level or B-list actor level or whatever level they are that any, any actors were listening to it?
3: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Daisy, Daisy Ridley, come on, she in Star Wars 4.1. I you? know,
1: I know. I'm saying it's sort of across the board is really is really my what I'm trying to get at
3: is amazing yeah, that there's people it's, listening. Well, each one kind of is a different story, I suppose. Uh, Daisy DM'd us on Instagram, so she actively got in touch with us, which was amazing, really exciting. Um, equally, Thomas Middleditch and... Rachel Bloom followed us on Twitter and stuff. And we yeah,
5: they just started tweeting about us, recommending us yeah. to
3: people. Um, and so- Elijah, I can't remember.
2: I think Elijah came in to the BBC for something else, and then we got talking about it. And then that kind of happened. Or you know, he, uh, We didn't have any contact for a few months, and then he tweeted about it. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's always been... I think what's been really nice is it's been a slow burn, so it hasn't been like oh there was loads of people listening to it at the beginning and then that's faded off. It's been a real word of mouth thing, which we wanted it to be because we, it's just the three of us. We don't like have a humongous team behind us or anything. So, you know, we wanted it to be a friend recommending to a friend because I always think when you see stuff splashed over social media or you know it's it, it's it's everywhere for a bit. You never quite.
1: Buy Buy in, do you?
2: So you, I think a recommendation from a friend is always going to be the most solid way to get out there.
5: What's been sorry? What's been
3: (laughs) about that talking over each other thing? Um, No,
5: James, go. What's been nice as well is that everyone we've had on has been a fan, so it's been a real kind of equal conversation, and they've talked with more authority than us sometimes, and more expertise than us on the book and the characters and storylines um so yeah we we haven't really had anyone on for the sake of it it's always been someone that's tweeted about it or told us they're a fan we've invited them on and they've been really kind to say yes so it's been great
3: and no one said no yet which is amazing no. as well that's And
2: right. had like a different perspective haven't they and that's sort of why we've asked them on everyone's had a different yeah. angle that they're coming at it from and originally we were maybe going to have experts on um that, that weren't well-known or, you know, weren't A-list, and I think actually people have sort of fallen into those categories yeah, anyway, yeah. so that's been quite nice, having people's different take on it.
1: But how how did you come up, come up with the idea to uh, talk to these people and then insert it as part of the stream of podcasts in your season two. I mean, it's kind of, it's one thing to say, Hey, we got a tweet from, you know, Elijah Wood saying he really likes the show, but you said, no, let's actually have a conversation with them.
3: Well, I think there are so many things to talk about with Linda Blink. I mean, it, it is such a mine of unbelievable. There's so many questions that people always have whenever they see me, any of us, they always ask so many questions about it. And I guess Daisy and Elijah and, Rachel and Evan were no different. They had so many questions that they wanted to kind of ask us and we thought, well, why don't we have them on the show and they can ask the questions. Kind of like our audience would be asking these questions. We thought it was a good way to kind of answer some of the questions whilst also getting them on the show to kind of revel in Belinda, really. And it was
2: an evolution, wasn't it, from Series 1? Because Series 1, we had footnotes. Um, yeah, we but they were But way- yeah. they were kind of ways of... Uh, exploring themes that had happened in a chapter that we didn't really get to look at during the episode.
5: Right, so right.
2: it seemed like a nice way, like Jamie says, you know, Daisy's saying things that everybody's saying on Twitter that's listening to it. So she's just there as a Blinda Blink fan going, wait a minute, like, how was it four past <laughs> seven? Like, why did the restaurant close at 20 past eight? <laughs> so- <And> what- nice.
5: <laughs> It's also proved to be a nice, we were talking about having, when we were thinking about Series 2, we were talking about do we have guests come on and critique the chapter with us and we, we thought no, that's the format as it is, people come back every week to hear A, Jamie read the, the book and the material itself and kind of our dynamic is a three, so it was still a nice way of getting in those those guests and people, other people, other voices coming to talk about it but not... Disrupt the dynamic of the main chapters,
3: and we also wanted to build on series one as well. We wanted series two to feel bigger and more exciting, and that we kind of evolved as a show and stuff, and that kind of feeds into that as well.
1: That's great. Well, I, <clears throat> we we jumped into this, and I I sort of took it as a given that my my listeners would know what we're talking about. But just to kind of back up a little bit, uh, the these uh, the show is based on you know these these books written by your father, Jamie. But it's uh, the 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 main theme, at least based on the uh, what would you say the one liner is for the book uh, let's start with the first the first Belinda blinked book what is what is her deal
3: Belinda Blumenthal is a woman who's just got a new job at a pots and pans company <laughs> she shags her way mm-hmm. around the country in order to get the best deals she can to sell her products <laughs> that's a, that's, that's that's actually more information than you get in the whole book <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: so- classic shakespearean
3: tale and that's that's really all
1: i really want to do make sure my listeners knew what we were talking about because uh, i i assume they do because uh uh, they kind of come to my podcast to find out new podcasts and then to listen to podcasters who've been on for a little bit so i want to make sure that i was covering all of our bases there um so what um what do you think uh would happen if you did sort of outstrip uh rocky's output and you'd gotten to the end of the Belinda Blink series, and there, there were no other books. Would you just go, okay, we're done with the podcast, or would you go, let's try and find some other material to riff on?
3: I don't know, really. We haven't kind of got that far. I think because it's been such an organic process for us, we we try not to look too far ahead in in, in the future. You know, we weren't even entirely sure we were going to do a series two until mm. sort of midway through series one, and we felt we wanted to keep doing it. and Because... We've always done stuff together, and we always want to keep doing stuff while we feel like we've got stuff to say and and, and for there to be a purpose for us to do something. I don't think any of us want to just do it for the sake of doing it. I think if we ever felt that it was getting a little bit repetitive or tired, we probably would move on to something else. But, you know, his work is such a goldmine that uh, it's, been, it's been so much fun. Kind
5: Yeah. Every time you go to a new chapter, you, you'd think – there's nothing else. Like, what is he going to come up with? <laughs> yeah. And then he just
3: pulls out the bag and he constantly surprises you. He's, he's an amazing writer, really. He is, this is the thing, he actually is quite a skillful writer because, as much as we mock it, he has created this whole world. And people are kind of obsessed with the world and these characters, which is no mean feat. When you is think it, about it, it's is, it fair,
1: is it fair to say he's ripped the lid off the pots and pans industry?
2: <laughs> we're taking that we're having that
1: for ourselves <laughs> um, and is there any parental jealousy uh, with, with anybody any other parents that have said hey I've, I've been writing for years and you guys don't seem to care at all
3: Guys,
5: nice. uh, my mum's never put a word to paper, so uh, no. <laughs>
3: what do you know, of, James. She what can't
5: know? bring herself to say the title of the podcast. She says porno because she can't <laughs> quite say porno.
3: <laughs> uh,
5: so no parental jealousy on my part, no.
2: Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, they're not. My parents aren't coming to the live show, um, but that might be slightly weird. My parents listening to us read Jamie's dad's porn. I don't know. It just feels it's, it's tenuous, isn't it? Yeah, it's it uh,
1: a little sketchy.
2: But my dad was an academic, so I can, ima- I can imagine out of all of the parents that yeah. my dad would be the one that would be like, wait a minute, I can do this.
1: <laughs> well, that's great. Um, I don't want to eat up much more of your time, especially since it's the evening over there. Um, but are there any um, podcasts in particular that are either influential to any of you three or ones that you really enjoy?
2: Um, I think we all like Alec Baldwin's podcast, Here's, yeah, the, here's thing. the Thing. It's yeah, the Thing
3: is great.
2: Yeah. Um, and the obvious ones, I guess, that um, have been really big over here, like This American Life and Serial, we all listen to. I really like Adam Buxton's podcast. He does great interviews.
3: Yeah. Jeff Goldsmith does a really good one called The Q&A, where he interviews scriptwriters in Hollywood, which are really good, like really like hour-long, in-depth chats with screenwriters and directors, which is a really good one.
1: Great.
5: James? Um have you heard beautiful stories from anonymous people by any chance yes i 've actually reviewed that one as well it's, uh, cool. uh, it's really, uh, I really like that one that 's one of those kind of unedited just conversations, but I think it really works in that case, especially when it's two people who've never spoken before never met I think it's, it's one I really like I love
1: the uh, yeah they're, they're even anonymous right I mean they don 't even know who they, the the host doesn 't even know who the person is that's calling in and it's again like you guys it's an original concept, and so people mm take their interest in. Sorry, Alice, I interrupted you there.
2: Oh no, no. I think I interrupted you. I, all I, I just remembered one that seemed to only have one run, which was a real shame. I really loved the mystery show, that Gimlet one.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, but I don't know if it's going to come back, but, um, yeah, I love, I love a good recommendation there. What should we be listening to? What,
3: what do yeah, we what's need? your favorite?
1: Um, I've, I've really gotten into the narrative ones. Um, that's really sort of a story. Uh, one of my favorites, um, at least their first season, their second season is about to come out, is Wooden Overcoats. Oh, yes. I think uh, they're doing
5: a live show at the podcast
1: festival we're involved with. Oh, okay, yeah. I've I've actually been in conversation with them about um, possibly uh, doing some work uh, for television with their their concept. Maybe oh. we'll see what happens. I can't really talk too much about it. But um, to me, that that is sort of using the medium in a way that a lot of the podcasts have not done yet although it's pretty it seems like it should work really well but it's a difficult medium to it's cuz it's not old radio anymore it's something different and i think they've done that nicely there was a very limited series that general electric actually did called the message oh yeah 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 uh, but, yeah, yeah about the it's completely fictional that the military had gotten this extraterrestrial message back in the 40s and they've been trying to decipher it and they find it decided to to crowdsource it out to this this linguistics company And it goes haywire and starts to infect people. Um, So those sort of things where there's an actual narrative and you can kind of binge listen to thing and then it's over. And maybe they'll come back with another season and maybe they won't, but it kind of doesn't matter because you've consumed it. So those things are interesting to me. Um, There's so many interview shows out there that it's uh, I remember sort of back in the infancy of podcasting where it was just podcasters talking to other podcasters because they had no one else who knew what they were doing. And I think ever since the, the day that uh, Mark Marin had President Obama step into his garage, all of a sudden people went, oh, wait a minute. We've got a whole other outlet to for, uh, typically, you know, publicists go, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Let's get our people out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I think as well, because people don't expect full studio quality audio. People are very forgiving with a podcast about, you know, when we record it in my echoey spare room you know it doesn't have to be as polished as maybe other mediums do
3: there's an authenticity to it yeah
2: definitely and actually that's why you can do those things you know that's why we can say oh daisy will you come around to james's flat and record this thing and i don't i can't think of another form of something that would allow that
1: right yeah, yeah the, so- fact that the president of the united states would go into a guy's garage <laughs> it's just strange but it it works yeah uh, well, I don't want to hold you up anymore. Thanks so much for, uh, for your time. And uh, I enjoy the podcast, and uh, my listeners do as well. And uh, continued success with uh, My Dad Wrote a Porno. Thanks, Thanks so much. much. So uh,
2: nice to chat. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Have a great weekend. Uh, I want to thank Jamie, James, and Alice again for their time. Catch My Dad Wrote a Porno, which has an exclusive partnership through Acast, which streams and distributes the show through the MyDadWoteAPorno.com home site, as well as iTunes, Stitcher, the Laughable app, SoundCloud, and more. We'll be back with a couple of short Succotash chats from my recent trip to the L.A. Podfest, right after this important word from our
0: sponsor. Ghosts and goblins, Frodo and Spider-Man, and lots and lots of slutty nurses all wandering the streets can only mean one thing. No, not Fleet Week. It's Halloween, this special time every year. Henderson's restocks the shelves and interwebs with our Deathly Halloween. More than just a pair of pants and yet not quite a full-blown costume, Henderson's Deathly Halloware is meant to be worn under your disguise to make sure your Halloween stays safe, sane, and filled with treats. The wizards at Henderson's tailoring factory start with a thin yet comfy layer of 100% cotton lining. Stitched to that is a second layer. This one made from 70 mil thick military grade Kevlar. Finally, your Deathly Halloware is coated with waterproof matte black acrylic, strong enough to keep you safe in the darkest night, whether it's hailing hail or bullets. Henderson's Deathly Halloware is also light enough to assure that you can keep tricking and treating until the cows come home. Moms and Dads, Henderson's wants to remind you that not even our Deathly Halloware can guarantee complete protection from the low lives and scumbags that are waiting to prey on your precious children. It can't detect razor blades in apples or roofies in Rolos. So when you steal your kids' candy while they sleep, be extra careful and take a good look at what you're biting into before it bites into you. Henderson's Deathly Halloware was originally designed for Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, and Michael Myers. Not the unstoppable killing machine from the Halloween movie franchise, but that unstoppable mugging machine from Wayne's World. That's Henderson's fine trousers and costumery since 1549. And now back to succotash. All right. I got a number of interviews while I was at the fifth annual
1: Los Angeles Podcast Festival a couple of weekends ago. I'll be putting them out over the next few episodes as I get them cleaned up. Most of them had a lot of extra noise because of the general din of the podcast lab. So I'm going to go back and try to filter out as much of the cacophony as I can, because in some cases you literally can't even hear what the guests are saying. This first one is with the co-hosts of the Dude of Future Past Soundcast. happened when the the podcast lab was not quite as full as some other times, and it's uh, featuring Kurt Long and Joey Bragg, the co-hosts of the Dude's of future past. I am, t- I am talking to the dudes of future past.
7: Hey, Mark, what's up? Kurt Long.
1: Yep. Joey Bragg. That's it. I mean, That's and uh, yeah, we just, uh, I just reviewed you guys. Yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely. Sure, nice. absolutely. Yeah.
6: Um, I read all the reviews, Mark, ball, which I think
7: ball. is what you they say. If you are going to believe, believe the yeah. bad yeah. ones, you got yeah. yeah. to yeah. yeah. believe the good ones yeah. too.
1: you, you got to, either way, just don't believe anything. Or don't believe all of
7: them. And believe everything. It's a very Zen thing. Not that I don't do. I choose to believe a lot of them. I choose to not to believe a lot of things. Okay. Nope.
5: But, you, but you're way. young. I'm you're ex-poils. young. Yes, I, I believe.
1: Our whole
7: podcast you want to believe. Yeah, I want to believe. want to believe. It's different than believing. I want to, and I agree to. want to believe is I don't have further. I have too much yeah. disproving that I want to believe. I really yeah. want to believe. I'm like a Trump supporter. I don't look at the proof or the evidence, I just make up my own conclusions. So, so far, how is
1: the podcast doing for you guys? Are you enjoying, first of all, are you enjoying the experience? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
7: Yeah. That's the thing, that gets scary, is that we do have such a good time doing it. I guess that's its that's own reward, yeah, but, <laughs> but, uh, but, but the idea that, like, does anybody else like it? Yeah, that's the hard part. You can get lost in it. Yeah, I do, like, doing stand-up, you get that immediate gratification of the audience. That I can do, and then recording something in our chicken coop, and then just sending it out for the internet to be, like listen to this at your own will and decide if it's worth listening to another one for it's new to me yeah I don't know how you've gone through have you gone through and like looked at the numbers because I'm super critical and I think the idea that I'm available all the numbers are available to me like who downloaded and stuff so I see oh we got a thousand downloads on episode one but only 500 on two so do we have a 500 drop off or they, they just haven't gotten to it yet they're going to get around to it first of all
1: I think the numbers are specious I don't think they're really true to begin with you could start it's
7: just, it's just so you could listen to her second, and that counts as a download. I
1: don't. Yeah, I don't pay attention to the numbers. Never have. Uh, I don't have advertisers because nobody wants to advertise with the show for whatever reason. Yeah, uh, I We do have one advertiser, so, but it's it's a fictional advertiser. So. It's <laughs> well, that's, that's what we do? Henderson's pants. Henderson's pants. Yes.
3: one guy? No, it's it's the, Henderson's
1: pants makes all sorts of unusual pants that's all they do and my my producer and I challenge we challenge each other to say Henderson's was going to be like acne. They were going to make everything. They said, let's just do pants and see how many different kinds of pants yeah, Henderson's can come up with. So that's... You've got your
7: pants. Well,
1: we have, like, picnic pants. Picnic pants. Yeah, that unfurl into a tablecloth. No, yeah. You, yeah, you can carry your own weenies in Are you still aware
7: of Yes, that's the beauty of the picnic pants. Absolutely. You think so, but not with the
1: way these pants are designed. <laughs> No,
7: no. He's it's, not everything you <laughs> want. Exactly. About, like, it's the no, I mean, you want there's there's everything like you, you want.
1: There's a huge basket in the ass to put your buns. <laughs> Oh. Oh. There's a huge bag in the front to put your meat. That keeps oh. it warm. Yes, warm. yes right. exactly. It's got you want to keep your meat In the pockets. Okay.
7: <laughs> okay. <laughs> As I could have guessed that. Absolutely. They would me would So you
1: guys have like a generational gap, right,
7: right? which yeah. is yeah. the
1: hook well, for your, that's
7: your show. That's the hook. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, we, so we wanted to make sure. Whether it's a strong enough hook, we're still trying to figure it out. Now, if the
1: show goes for a while, you guys have kind of a... I'm going to say a kind of May-December romance going on, right? So, so, so as Kurt gets older... Are you going to start turning your eye to maybe a younger no, co-host, Joey? That's what Joey? I
7: am thinking about. Like, 43, am I going to want to... Uh, that's what I'm thinking, right? Retire him and let him, let him go. And get maybe so maybe you'll get a little co-host on the side. Yeah. I think the other way is more true. I think as Joey gets older, I'm going to... You might go, dump him uh, for a younger co-host. I need co-host. a younger one, that's just like word. I will with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> she knows it as part of the deal. I say, this is a sign, honey. I'm, uh, I now have a younger co-host in my pocket. Yes. Soon I'm going to have a younger co-host in life. Now, maybe you
1: could just keep a younger co-host on the side, like in a little, little a studio downtown. A side <laughs> I'm a
7: side, I'm a side hey, told You told me you fantasy football today. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I was just, uh, I was casting somebody yeah, else. Yeah, I'm <laughs> tracking your iPhone, Kurt, I know you what son you're doing. son of a bitch. I saw you took the zoom with you. You took two microphones. Stop. <laughs> I, I was thinking
6: this morning, like there's gonna be an episode, a
7: lot, like granted this goes, this goes exactly as planned. Right. There's gonna be an episode where for I'm 43. And you're 66. Right. Yeah. Or I'm in my grave. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the last podcast. I can't You'll be wait very, until, very... I can't wait until the podcast audience. gets more and more <inaudible> senile as it goes on. Yeah. I want to see it in a audio. Well, then the other, the other
1: danger, of course, is just like in a relationship, you guys will start to think very much alike, and so... The generational difference suddenly won't make that much difference, and all of a sudden you're agreeing on everything. Well, that's what we yeah. worry about a little bit too. Is that we
7: actually do get along. That's why we did the podcast because we became friends working on a show together. Like where else? And, you know, it, otherwise it'd be kind of creepy for a man my age to be hanging out with him. We actually not work in this on a show, town, not in this or time. in San
1: Francisco where I'm right. from. It. San Francisco. That on Twitter. Twitter. Yeah,
7: that's right. Uh, so we. I mean, there's the idea that. Uh, See, this is moment. No, um, it's already happening. Um, yeah. What was it? Uh, oh, we're meeting him and being friends already. We were like, okay, so uh, we do have to have that. I don't want to be falsely antagonistic, you know? Like I'm an old man, and you kids don't get it. Like I actually am, honestly. I do want to be younger, or not younger. Uh, you should have seen him try and figure out under quarter or quarter. We got, so. Yeah, I was just. I had to take out my... my, my yeah, there you go. It has the menu box. All right, let, like, let me see
6: what that bad? looks like. I got out my, my
7: bifobos and <laughs> played with <laughs> the knobs. And then I realized it was a salt shaker. I was like, oh, that's not...
1: <laughs> not uh, working at all. That's
7: not working at all. I tried yeah. to put him to bed yeah. and he was kicking yeah. and screaming yeah. about the war
1: yeah. 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 Now, Joey, you do stand... You both do stand-up.
7: I haven't done it in 23 years. All right, we won't
1: talk to you. Don't talk no, to no, me. No, but you're from the Bay Area, right? Yeah. yeah. So... Because I used to, I actually used to book the Punchline in San Francisco years ago. Oh, yeah. I, I used to, uh, I, way before Molly. This is this is when John and Ann Fox actually booked the club for, for Bill Graham. Oh, wow. When Bill Graham owned the club oh, yeah. before he died. Wow. <laughs> okay.
6: No. no, no, no. I'm being courteous
7: while I was stealing your lemonade. But it's just interesting
1: because the, the scene has changed so much since since I used to help you know run that. I used to help run, to help run the comedy competition and do all that stuff. Uh, and I was in the improv scene up there. I didn't really do stand up, but I did improv. It's like, I think the best
7: place to start, is It used to be Oh, it was, the, it was okay. Ground Zero,
1: right? Yeah. In a good way.
7: Not that New York, right? Too soon, too soon. It's 15 years. We did an episode off. on 9-11. Yeah? It's not too much humor we can get out of it. No, we did a reunion
1: yeah. show for, um, for Spaghetti Jam, which was an improv... Oh, yeah? Get together troop in the seventies on nine eleven this year. Oh really? Yeah, and I talked to the guy who started. I go, why are we doing nine eleven? This is the worst day to do a show,
7: right? Yeah. Okay. Nobody's held up remember like memorials or things. Really. No. Or no. Not like, like, in New York they're doing stuff. Do you yeah. See? Yeah, but other than that, no. We got to move on. You yes. you gotta do yeah. Things. I, I just saw like uh, a well, Titanic, well, Titanic slide. <laughs> well, it was like half the Titanic was <laughs> in the water, and you climb to the top and slide down. Titanic. No. And I was like, at hey, what? point in the tragedy yeah. become like uh oh, the kids kids entertainment they yeah when they come it, up yeah. with yeah
1: or Hindenburg popcorn <laughs> poppers. Yeah, <exactly. laughs>
7: yeah. Or like uh like a four D movie experience, experience where somebody comes out and shoots a real gun at you. Yeah, nice. Nice.
1: So, now, do you miss doing stand-up,
7: uh, not at all. I was, uh, <laughs> when I did, I was in college in Boston, and I thought I'd give myself a try. And, uh, at the next Comedy stop, Oh, so you're part of the Boston Sea, okay. I Boston guy. And, the Boston guys are surly, and, and maybe it's just my experience. Uh, I'm more of an improv brain, and I like to make things up as I go along, and that's kind of what I did when I was doing the stand-up there. And the comics there were just very, they were like, they had their by the book, like you had to work the jokes and be, you know. Yeah. And they didn't like following me, you know, hey kid, get it, come up with an act and then come back. Yeah. And they all seemed very sad and angry, so I. That's kind of just how it is. Yeah, right. So. not a way to go That's everybody. Okay, no, but all well, San Francisco was,
1: particularly in the 80s, was much more you know, versatile. They welcomed yeah. they comics that did different stuff. They just wanted you to know your stuff. They I just yeah. didn't want somebody up there just, like, back in Mark going.
7: Back Oh Mark Petta yeah, Mark Mark, was a Mark? You can.
1: How do you know Mark Pitta so well? I was his roommate for five years. Oh, were you really? No yes. way. Yes. Yes.
7: I didn't stand up. I mean, <laughs> You the Throckmorton. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that show. Oh, the Throckmorton Run. That's where we did the reunion show for oh, Spaghetti really? Jam. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, I love the Throck. It's oh. great. I was there, and I was, like, 10 backstage, 15, and they are like, Hey, this is a Salt." He, yes, he just hangs out there. Really? Yeah. He just chills in the He does a show
1: every Thursday there for an
7: hour and a half. The, the
1: guy's 119 years old. No, he's 89. He's very old. He may as well be. Pretty That's like a Hollywood 119. Yeah, yeah, yeah. David probably
7: lives in 65. Yeah, we're doing a
1: show at the Throck at the end of, uh, for Halloween, last weekend for Halloween, called uh, Grin Readers. And it's comics reading works of classic gothic fiction. Oh, that's (laughs)
7: fantastic. Yeah, it's going to
1: be cool. It's the second one we did. We did one a couple of years ago, too. It was very cool. And the Throck and like, is the last place I did the improv with Robin Williams, like six months before he passed.
7: Yeah. Did you see Did you Oh, yeah. Yeah. He used to sit in with my improv group in the Oh, he in? Oh, okay. I'm oh, sorry. Okay. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. No, no, no. no but he would, he'd come by. He'd come by recording i it, my been. Yeah. It's, it
1: makes for really great shows. Yeah. It's terrific. We turned
7: off our ceiling fan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I've talked to these
1: people. I've been coming for five years, and I said, this is not the way a podcast lab should be. Yeah, you I shouldn't know. hear the beakers actually bubbling in the background. Yeah, a cubicle setup
7: like would be smart. Bad. Yeah. show yeah. it yeah. together. we both pro-cubicle. But I do like
6: the looks of it.
7: I mean, I, I was told before, Well, that's when I said to Jimmy Pardo, we were like, hey, we're going to come to a podcast. Would you do our podcast? He said, I've been in the, you do not want to go to the, uh, the lab yeah, and do a an podcast yeah. Yeah. Get, you won't get the full part of so we'll do it separately. Yeah, it's a good idea. That's a good, I just well, I'm dropped. Glad we got to talk. Yeah, no, I'm glad
1: you guys stopped in because I, you know, I do these little yeah, yeah. snippets rather than a whole episode from in here. So like throughout this weekend, I'll just put up these like little mini Oh, this is this is that's great. I'm glad I got a chance to talk to you guys because I really did not enjoy your where show. Where did you come up with the idea for Suckatash? Was it just uh, you felt there was a
7: hole that needed to be filled? Yeah, well, this was podcast.
1: yeah, it was like five years ago or almost six years ago now, and I was you know a bunch of my comic friends were doing. Them. And I was going, I'd love to do it, but everyone's kind of doing the interview thing, or they're doing a bunch of dudes sitting around bullshitting.
7: Yeah. yeah. And so it took me about six months. I said, you know, one thing that isn't happening
1: now is nobody's kind of promoting podcasts, right? And so I said... I'm going to do like a Whitman really sampler thing, where I do clips of other yeah. people's comedy mm-hmm. podcasts, mm-hmm. and then I'll also do interviews. But it's mostly about the clips. So it's Succotash. It's a collection of different things I'll put great. together. I and I'm also on this one-man campaign to changed the word podcast to soundcast. So because <laughs> so podcast is sort of giving homage to Apple, which is why are we thanking them. The iPod went out of production two years ago. They don't even make the thing. Aren't they, aren't they um, isn't
7: podcast trademarked? <laughs> it is not. It's not. It's
1: not. And even if it is, everyone's using it, so yeah, they completely. I'm in the. I'm also in the brand. I'm in the branding business as well, so I know all these which is weird. I'll join your one.
7: Yes. Video. Yeah. And so let's
1: take Soundcast back for the people. I mean, I
7: think I, I think in a few more months under our belt, let's do the Do we have Let's get all the business cards that we made. All right. All right. Well, I've got I've got them too. That's the problem. Yeah. They say, but yeah. But it, it starts it starts with this fucking banner, with that right banner right there. I like that. Exactly. Yeah, 10 bucks. Mr Vester Vesterprint. There you uh, go. Back. 10 bucks. Oh, yeah, yeah. we could have came in here and walked so with the banner. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we were like, we thought we were going to be prepared coming up. Sorry. Oh, I know. And I, I got it. the stickers all over yeah. T-shirts we're like shit. I know. Good. They were two months in. Exactly. You're okay, young. You're a young cast. Yeah. now we're going to be a two-man campaign to get young cast Young cats. Young old cats. Cast, so a we're a young know, adult cat. <laughs> We talk about romance and
1: reality. There you go. Well, guys, I, I actually would love to do a, a longer show with you in a more okay. controlled yeah, atmosphere. So yeah, I, I get down to LA fairly yeah, frequently. I'm from San Francisco, but we yeah, can do like a, a software software oh, you, you do okay. But well, we can do like a Skype or something
7: like Let's that, do a so drive drive. that. Yeah, be, That'd be fantastic. Let's so do a so much, podcast part. handshake so everybody can yeah, see yeah. it. Yeah. Soundcast. Sound, thank you. Very good. Very I'm gonna go spray paint the Podfest uh, banner Yes. That's sound fest, sound fest, sound fest, sound... All right.
1: Check out the Dudes of Future Past, available on the Laughable app, iTunes, and wherever podcasts are streamed and or downloaded. The other interview from the L.A. Podfest I'll feature this episode is with George Grimwood, a delightful chap from England who heads up the Podnos Network over there. I was originally turned on to George by our friend Davian Dent from The Bitter Sound and the Strange Times Soundcasts, and uh, we actually uh, found a quiet corner to, uh, to record this. It's just outside the men's room, so there's a bit of music that filters through from there. But uh, other than that, uh, and... Uh, the, the odd conversation. Uh, it's a pretty uh, pretty reasonably quiet interview, as you'll hear right now. Uh, I'm sitting comfortably at the 5th Annual Los Angeles Podcast Festival with George Grimwood, founder and founder of the Podnose Network. Hello. Hello, George. Uh, we finally have had a chance to spend some time together. Here yeah. at this podcast festival.
6: Yes, indeed. It's, uh, it's, it's been a nice busy one again this year. And, uh, yeah, no, it's nice to finally touch base. It's been, a, it's been probably, what, a year, two years now? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: absolutely. And uh, as nice as communicating through Twitter direct messages is. Mm-hmm.
6: And, <laughs> and Facebook.
1: It's nice to actually be able to uh, meet and have a drink and uh, chat and uh, look one another in the eye. Hey, we're both wearing red socks. How weird is that?
6: It's all about the red socks. Wow
1: yeah um anyway so uh this is always a trek for you because you have to come from london
6: well it 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 doesn't feel like a trek anymore it feels like a pilgrimage you know oh interesting you know it's it it, for me with the network we've been running uh, officially for a year now Ah. although it's been going on longer than that in other ways um but originally when i was coming out it kind of felt i had to do all the touristy things and check out everything that was going on in los angeles and now it feels more of a holiday more of a uh, reason uh, with the podcast festival as the centerpiece of the of the de- of the week of the week, and uh, I come out and I feel inspired, and I feel you know in the, in, I, there are times when I'm doing it and I'm going oh why am, why am I doing this and then I come out here and I'm reminded why I do it, and uh, the community is is such a big thing over here, and that's really what I want to aspire to over in the UK. How is the
1: podcast? I mean, as, as you know, we have friends in common in the, uh, the UK side of the podcast formula. But I'm not that sort of familiar with what the community at large
6: looks like. I think it's still trying to figure out its face at the moment. I think the benefit of having the Lon- first ever London podcast festival this year, which um, coincidentally is taking, ty- taking place at the same time as this one, um, for better or worse. Yes. Um, they have John Hodgman and uh, Jesse Thorne over there and Harry Shearer. And, wow. And also some British shows as well, independent British shows. Um, and it's, that's really positive to see. Um, but at the same time, I think that it's the community is still trying to figure out what it is. I think with the BBC dominating a lot of things, many, in many respects in the same way that NPR and various other radio uh, stations, radio channels are over here, Um, they have dominated the concept of podcasting in the UK. Mm. So much so that they'll take a show that may have been going for 50, 60 years and say, oh, this is a podcast. We've taken the music out. This is a podcast. And I I just, there's something about that. And I, I think that's what makes podcasting generally as a medium interesting is that no one can really define it exactly what it is. Right. Everyone has a different answer. And I think with the BBC, they've, they've been kind of lazy with it. I think they could have taken it, and they could have made it an extra, it could have been a red button extra, as it's called in the UK. They could mm. have potentially uh, taken that as a creative medium separate from everything else, you know. So rather than having the Archer's Omnibus, which is a long standing British soap on Radio 4 in the, B- in, in the UK on the BBC, and calling it a podcast, they could have maybe done a whole separate world. They could have done a whole. Um, off branch and after hours a, a freer version of the show with different characters and called that the podcast That the extra bit to yeah
1: yeah instead it's become sort of this dumping ground for old recycled material 100% yeah, yeah that doesn't seem to be like uh, that's definitely not the spirit of the podcast as you and I understand it mm. it is it is a medium unto itself and I don't think the, the major providers and networks understand that. To them it is just, oh, this is just another place to put this stuff and we can hopefully monetize it and make a little extra money off of it because all of that stuff is driven by bean counters that are in a room somewhere, you know, looking at numbers and crunching them and going, hmm, how can we drain a little extra out of this stuff? As opposed to being a place for... Potentially free expression, although certainly, you know, we're all hoping to make some money at this endeavor. Um, but I don't think that's the original point of why a lot of people do these.
6: It should be about freedom and being able to focus on something It could be as niche as possible. So that's the difference between professional radio and podcasting is that on professional radio, you might not get an hour, an hour and a half weekly show on bowling or fishing or something specific. Whereas with podcasting, if you like fishing, if you like bowling, if you like anything, there'll be a show, potentially weekly, monthly, bi-monthly, however however it's uh, put out, uh, about the show, about the thing that you love. And if there isn't, you can do one yourself. And that's the the key. It's more accessible. So before I even got involved with podcasting, I did script writing for a long time. And a friend of mine and I, we uh, gathered uh, our collective minds and... We were very close to getting a deal uh, made with a production company uh, that would have potentially gone with Channel 4 or maybe BBC, somewhere down the line. But then it fell through for a number of different reasons, and I kind of realized I really wanted to do something creative to really try and get involved with the type of jobs that you apply for over there. If you're applying for a media job in in London or in the UK, they say on the description, three is experience in the job you're applying for. (laughs) and, and there's no there's no door no whereas with podcasting I still feel although there are some amazing podcasts uh, not just not just on the podca- Podnos network but also generally speaking independently run shows uh, many of which are at the London podcast Festival this year uh, and uh, I feel that they have illustrated that they the proof that there is a way of branching out and that there is a medium there is a creative medium that people can do it from the ground level up and that anyone can do a show and that's really ultimately if I was to uh, have something happen to me tomorrow? Struck by lightning or whatever. Uh, my aim was to build a creative community, and is to build a creative community yeah. because I haven't been struck by lightning yet, especially not in Los Angeles where there's a drought. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> what? Um, since you're running a network and you have uh, a variety of shows on there, what what sort of earmarks do you look for if you're going to be adding another show? What sort of things are you know are going to be parts of what you want that show to comprise to be able to be considered?
6: Originality an idea that I haven't heard before uh, that's to say that there's no such thing as an idea that anyone hasn't heard before, it's just a, a variation of going back to The Writer's Journey by Christopher Vogler which is not just a great book for script writing or ideas or storytelling, it's also a great reference guide to any really any idea that, that, that goes back 2,000 years and I mean, I'm not necessarily of the belief that there's an original idea out there, but there's certainly ways of making something interesting by making it a single thing, focusing on one aspect that may appeal to even the smallest or tiniest of audiences. But at the same time, what appeals to me are people who have the enthusiasm and the energy. So I work from two angles. If, if there's an idea, sometimes we have an idea and we just, we just don't have a home for it. We don't have a person to uh, tame that, to make hmm. it work. Uh, and then other respects we have people who come to us with a lot of energy but without an idea and the ideal scenario is we match them together and say <laughs> so for example there's a uh, there's a podcast on the network called Cinema Limbo mm-hmm. and it's a show where we take films that uh, predominantly the host wants to talk about but, but films that ultimately may have been received badly but should be reassessed or uh, for better or worse and sometimes they sometimes we look at them and we go no there's a reason this didn't do well and other times we go oh this really should have done well and that's hosted by a man called Jeremy Phillips, and Jeremy I'd known for some time, and I had this idea for a podcast, and I said, which, admittedly, thousands of film podcasts out there, but not not one, not one a one that is this one, mm-hmm. um, because we're taking it from a very slightly different angle, and we're trying out different things with it as well, and I said to Jeremy, would you be interested in doing the show? And he's, he's made it his own, and we have uh, an editor, uh, Martin, who... Who comes on and, and, and puts all the puts all the shows together superbly, and we have another guy called Phil who provided the theme, and so we've got all sorts of different people getting involved, and they're just really through con- connecting all the dots and just contacting people and seeing what we can make out of this collective creative process. Um, what's sort of the most um,
1: interesting aspect of podcasting as a as an industry for
6: you, if there if there was what sort of one thing you could point to? I think it's. The intimacy uh, between the host and the audience. Hmm. I think with professional radio, they're on a limited, they're limited time. They don't have the opportunity, even if they wanted to, to necessarily connect with the audience in the way they'd like to. And that, to be fair, that does certainly highlight when sound bites stick out in the history of news and 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 television and radio they stick because it, they're hard to come by. There's a lot of generic elements that just flatline. And I think with podcasting, you're not looking for sound bites because everything should be as candid or intimate as you want it to be. So for me, it's it's this sense of community. Uh, and, I, and that's not just limited, of course, to shows that are conversation or someone speaking to their audience directly. But it's also, for example, Welcome to Night Vale. It's not just... This amazing narrative, in, in storytelling narrative, it's also this sense of uh, there's a message in there. There's there's very positive messages for the audience mm. in terms of if you're feeling on the outside, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, to paraphrase, I mean, they're much. They, I, I wouldn't <laughs> spoiler alert. I don't want to give it away. You know, but, but they essentially say that you know should never feel alone, that you should never be afraid, never feel afraid of being yourself, and and that really resonates. Uh, I went to a, a show, a, a live show, Welcome to Night Vale in Islington. Uh, I think it was last year or the year before. And it was the first time, in, certainly in the UK, that I'd ever seen a packed out, this was a, an old church, absolutely packed out giant church. People were dressed up, people were quoting back characters, there were queues lining up for, for sign, you know, for signings and merchandise afterwards, and I'd never seen that in the UK before. Over here, yes, but not in the UK. So for me, it's really, really about building that, connection between the listener and the audience really just developing a community
1: um, what's the oddest show concept that you can think of that you've either heard of or actually have listened to
6: the in, in what respect in the, just a,
1: uh, the, you just go I can't believe someone did that whether for for good or bad
6: okay um, well there's 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 ones that um there's, so I'll give you an example: Pistol Shrimps Radio. Yes. I love the concept of two guys going to the side of a basketball game and not necessarily knowing barely anything about basketball and doing a running commentary. That's perfect. Yes. Be- because it's it's winging it, but it's with two uh, two to three. Occasionally, when they have guests, as well, but two to three uh, professional improvisers. Yes. Who know what they're doing, but, but also they're they're quite happy quite happy to just run with it. And there's some, there's some amazing corpsing. And, and yeah that I like that as well and also um, the fact that of course Matt Gawley, Matt Gawley's wife is is in is in petrol shrimp so in that in that group so uh, there's moments where I believe where where she's been some sort of knocked down or something or a her balls here and he's, he's you know and it's it so there's that there is that slight tension to it as well yes. yeah, yeah so but I'm, I'm a big big fan of field reporting generally so I think I like those because they're they're raw uh, there's a real raw honesty to them and mm-hmm. um, But that's that's not to say that also in in studio things where revelations can come out where people can be honest with themselves but to an audience that they don't have to necessarily confront eye to eye. Hmm. Um, They can react to it. They can react to the reactions rather than necessarily having to deal with it there and then, which I think is very brave, even more so because they're putting it out to the world after the fact. Whereas if you're doing it live you can't necessarily you're not necessarily given the opportunity to articulate yourself in the way that you'd like to. So you can put forward how you feel about yourself or about a situation in your life in a podcasting sense that can be put out the way you want it to be. And I think 99% of the time that's used in a in a in a positive way. Um what sort of um
1: let me think where was this question going? Um Given that there's a a very large American podcasting community, and I think probably um, in terms of ratio of size, I think there's actually quite a number of podcasts in the U.K. Um, Do you think there's a, uh, a synergy between the sort of two communities at all? There needs to
6: be. Uh, I, I was very interested in speaking to some people yesterday who are here at the Los Angeles Podcast Festival who said that if London, the London Podcast Festival wasn't on in the same weekend, they'd happily go. They'd mm. happily travel. Which is very telling in that, it, that synergy is much needed mm-hmm. and much wanted. Um, and I'm hoping that the future... Because this was the first year for the London Podcast Festival and they've had some amazing guests and I've heard from... My my fellow pod nosers, mm-hmm. then it's gone down really well and oh, well good. received. But I'll be intrigued to hear back from them to tell me if it felt it felt similar in terms of the atmosphere, in terms of community, or if it was more people paying for shows that they want to see, not hanging around, just going to see the show and then leaving. Mm. And I sincerely hope it isn't like that. But if it is like that, it is only the first first uh, yeah, festival, yeah. so. Well, it's early to, too, perhaps too early to tell but I sincerely hope I really want I, I feel now that there's a point where more American shows are coming over to the UK and for example this as, as a recording next week Comedy Bang Bang are doing their first London gig and Last Puck Bus on the Left are coming over Welcome to Night Vale are coming over and of course you've got the festival at the moment with John Hodgman and Jesse Thorne are over there now so slowly but surely, I think the doors are opening. Um, but it would be absolutely glorious to see that cross section build yeah. and build. And it, so it's not just a network that's limited to that that cross section of guests and host and host and guests going on to each other's shows, but a whole international community. And I think I think someone uh, suggested yesterday. They said it would be amazing if there could be some kind of unification between the. Various podcast festivals, like Los Angeles and London in particular, in the future, where they could they, they could literally synergize. They could they could have Skype and they could yeah. have people on different shows internationally. People can tie it all in.
1: Yeah, I'd actually had a concept for a, a podcast festival. I was calling Podfestivus, the podcast festival for the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And I, in my mind, it's an entity that. Is a, a basically a regional podcast festival that would, you'd have like almost every other month, and it would basically be the same infrastructure, but you would go to where the podcasts were locally produced, so people that ran them wouldn't have to go through you know tremendous hardship to be part of the festival, but they'd all be interlinked yeah. as one sort of entity. Um, so that sort of dovetails in a little bit into what you're talking about in terms of trying to create a synergy. Because it's just interesting, I mean, just playing, you know, some of the reviews I've done recently and clips on the show, I just, I recently clipped a South African podcast that was stand-up comics. I, you know, there's this, there's this growing South African, mainly focused in Johannesburg, comedy community that's only really sprung up with the end of apartheid. Which is amazing, you know? And so it's interesting seeing these sort of these young comics back when, you know, because I started getting involved in the American comedy back in the late 70s, early 80s. And it's sort of that feel to the community where they're just been doing it for maybe eight or ten years. Yeah. That's interesting. And then I was just playing a clip from a, a podcast down in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Again, from that community. And that's almost like a bunch of road gigs strung together because, you know, there's not enough kind of centralization to say, yeah, it's, it's focused in here. So that was interesting. Um, And then I also featured a, a, I reviewed, I didn't feature a clip from this couple in Australia that just, they sit around, they, they drink wine and chat. It just, it's just amazing to me that this phenomena is growing to such an extent that it's everywhere yeah. You know, it's not just these pockets of, hey, it's happening in London, and it's happening here, and it's happening... It's, like, all over the place. What's your sort of vision for whether there's a limitation on where these things can take place or not?
6: Well, I would draw comparisons to how, in the UK on television, up until the late 90s, most people in the UK only had four to five channels. And then now... They've got Sky and they've got cable. They've got satellite. They've got nine hundred channels, and that's potentially lowered the stakes in terms of effort put in by the four to five original channels. Yes. So I would say that if I think it'd be amazing to see podcasts and branch out, but I also think that unlike that situation in the UK with the, the television, uh, there was there's more of an opportunity perhaps to allow for the ones the ones that try harder will stand out and I really do think it's a case of um, pushing for it because I think a lot of people do still do it uh, the ones lesser known the ones with a smaller audience for, uh, will, will, are doing it for themselves and in a good way and as a hobby uh, as a right. cathartic hobby and they don't mind if they've got only a few listeners and and I, yeah, I, we a few Harrison Ford-style podcasts where well, they started out as a carpenter. They only ever wanted to be a carpenter, but someone notices them goes, Yeah, oh, you're an actor. Yeah, yeah. So there's a few Harrison Ford podcasts <laughs> out interesting there. Interesting way to put it. Like, yeah, I mean, it's it's. Uh, I really, I think that there's there's no limit. There's no limit. But I think at the same time is that, and I imagine maybe I predict maybe in five to ten years from now, fingers crossed when the podcast festival is still going strong, that maybe uh, there'll be a chance to see maybe there'll be an app maybe there'll be um, a whole sort of wiki style network mm-hmm. of various different channels of different styles of show whether they're in a network or not and you can you can search them in a way where it's UK comedy this topic or mm-hmm. Australia sports this topic and everything will be so organised that yeah you'll be sport for choice but of course it's it falls down to those who push it forward those who want to make it bigger and I think for, I mean I, I think eventually Podnos will be monetary uh, how we'll go about that I'm not too sure yet and I'm still learning myself <laughs> from, from other people Sure. And, and this is why I come here to kind of you know learn from the best essentially and and um, yeah I, I, I feel that uh, the future will, will it, podcasting will, will continue to expand and I don't feel there'll be any point where it spreads thin because each podcast for the most part is aimed targeted uh, at a niche audience so there'll always be those pockets of Audiences listening to individual shows and they'll find them because they want to find them.
1: Excellent. George, it's been a pleasure talking to you.
6: Thank you for having me. Much appreciated. From just outside
1: the men's room at the LA Podfest. Yep. Uh, George Grimwood, remember it's a Podnose.
6: Podnose.com. Yeah, you visit there and find all our shows on the network. Excellent. Thank you very
1: much. Enjoy the rest of your time here.
6: Thank you, you too.
1: I appreciate the fact that George came all the way across the pond to be at the L.A. Podfest and spent some of his time hanging out with little old me. Catch up with his shows in the Podnos Network, including his own show, The Pod Pit, and many others. All right, let's see if we have anything worth reading in the tweet sack. Hello, Tweety. That may have come in from Twitter, our email, which is marc at succotashshow.com, on our Facebook page, or the comments on the home site at <laughs> Uh, Nope, not really. Most of this stuff's from PR people asking if I'll review their client soundcasts on uh, Huffington Post, which is fine. I'll get back to them, but they're not really fans. Not like you. And I understand why you don't write me. We just don't have that kind of relationship, I guess. So let me just leap into the whirling turbillion of thanks for all of those who have tweeted, retweeted, followed, liked, DM'd, friended, hearted, poked, and otherwise helped to pass the succotash on the lazy Susan of social media. Tracy Williams, Robert Scott Kelly, Let's Chat. Geek Yogurt Podcast, Daniel Driggs, The Blogus, L.A. Podcast Festival, Ben Blacker, Bethia Mapes, Taco Truck Website, The Monster Ghost, Elizabeth Rogers, Spry Fly's Tweets, Lauren Sporer, Sarah Arnold, Improv Nerd, L.A.B. Podcast, T.J. Miller, Illusionoid, Juliet Miranda, What the Pod F Bang Bang, Changes in Latitudes, Candace Trice, Movies Made Me, Aaron Brodkin, DJW Enterprises, William Pelosi, Psych View on Films, Quadcast Country, Amelia 419, Roddy Swears, The FYFC Podcast, The Reddest Rose, Jeff Bauman, David the Producer, Corey Stoos, Frank Piazza, Jake and Tom Conquer the World, Brendan Creasy, Human Being, Constant Struggle Podcast Podcast Booster Bot Angela Carrie Snow Todd Pod Todd Pod Ed Ed Wallach Davian Dent Dr. Norman Trousers Wanda Slater Drinking in the Park Slow Beats Steve Squalante Ice in the Face Brant Von Hoffman Jefferson Graham Tiger and Socko Jones Abner Surd Ed Asner Jabs from the D Head Factor, World Class Bullshit, Janet Varney, Holly May, Mr. LXC, Dave in the Cave, CJ Morgan, Adam Wolf, La Love at First Pizza, Ear Goggles, Casa Mirth, DK and Sir Bigby, Choo Choo Stew, Metal Thunder Radio, Ed Krasnick, Desiree Peoples, 288 Podcast, Stacy Black, Swarthy Daisy, Christine Blackburn, Battleship Potemcast, Nugnar Gang, Andrew Drew Allen, Podcast Junkies, The Slant, Micah Hart, Leonard Kim, Best in Galaxy, Jane Pelkey, Love at First Pizza, uh, you get two mentions, hey, hey. Master Debaters, Reeky Fiki, <laughs> Bootleg Bootleg Pod, and Leroy the Puppy Boy. All right, let's give a listen to our second burst of Durst this episode.
4: Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words on last Monday's first presidential debate at New York's Hofstra University. 84 million Americans reportedly tuned in, but alas, Donald Trump did not seem to be among them. Post-debate polls show that 54% of respondents thought Hillary Clinton won, 24% thought Donald Trump was the winner, and 22% either had no opinion or looked at the questioner like they were crazy for even asking. Afterwards, Trump went on an oblivion tour to say that everyone told him he had won the debate by huge margins. Presumably the same people who tell him he has the best temperament in the history of presidential elections, damn it. It's unbelievable his temperament. Ask Sean Hannity. Ask Sean Connery. His temperament is better than perfect. His temperament is ninety eight point seven degrees. He has a note from Dr. Oz and Sean Hannity about his incredible temperament. The knock against Hillary is that she was too well prepared and often looked like an escaped animatron from Disney's Hall of Presidents whose face got frozen while laughing. But that was written off as jealous sniping from the Trump cap solely because the former Secretary of State was able to string words together into actual sentences with subjects and predicates and points you know, in a presidential sort of manner. After starting strong, Trump wound down like a cheap watch, which has to be especially galling for a guy who claims his opponent is not qualified to be president because of her lack of stamina. Perhaps he thought the debate was being judged on time of possession, which would have explained his rambling and sputtering and eventually muttering something about how the DNC might have been hacked by some 400-pound guy on a couch. He then went on to claim there was a problem with his microphone. And he's right. Unfortunately, it was turned on. For Suckatash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast, I'm Will Durst.
1: Believe it or not, that's going to do it for Epi 141 of Suckatash Chats. Thanks again to the crew at the L.A. Podfest for being so hospitable and friendly this year. I had a great time hosting the journalism and podcasting panel there. And I hope you guys have me back next year. And I hope you have me back next episode because I'll be here with more little Podfest chats and probably some nice comedy soundcast clips, too. Until then, don't forget to pass the Suckatash. Good Bye.
0: You've been listening to Suckatash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, on SoundCloud, and on Ha Ha Ha, the Laughable app. You can also hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show Email us at marc at Suckatash show.com. Or call into the Suckatash Hotline at our non-toll free Call number 818-921-7212 That number again is You can also upload clips From your favorite comedy soundcasts Directly to us Using our direct upload link At hightail.com dot Slash you Slash Suckatash Succotash is produced and engineered with the kind assistance of Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our associate producer is Tyson Sainer. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Turges. Until next time, I am your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the succotash. Goodbye.